Well, this morning I want to talk about how we can get unstuck together. You see, there is something about you and I that we have a tendency to repeat the history in our families. And today, uh, this message is entitled, Stuck, It's a Family Thing. And that's not the only thing that can cause us to get stuck, but often we find that we get stuck in so many areas because of things that we've inherited or we've picked up from our family, whether it be our family of origin or the people we hang out with or friends at school or whatever it may be. And we sometimes wonder to ourselves, and we even say out loud, why am I doing what it is that I'm doing? Uh, those of you who are married, have you caught your spouse doing something that their father or mother would do? Uh, I remember my dad making noises around the house that I just thought, well, why? Why does he have to make that noise when he gets up out of the chair? Well, why does he have to do that when he's trying to reach and get something off the top shelf? And, and the other day I was in the garage and I was trying to reach something and I heard that noise. And I thought, Dad, are you here? What, you know, why, why do we do the things that we do and we pick up so much from those who have poured into us or sometimes a lack of pouring into us speaks volumes and we begin to say things and we say, why do I say that? And why do I do that? Some of us, it's things that we definitely don't want to say or don't want to do or we don't want to go there in that relationship. And we say, what is wrong with us? Well, one of the biggest contributors to getting stuck, as I shared a moment ago, is our family system. You see, it's, it's a family thing, and we have a tendency to repeat these things in our heritage that we reflect to others around us. Because of this, it's important that we discover together today that these destructive patterns, habits, and traditions in our life will keep us stuck unless we allow God's Word to unlock that in our hearts today. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 9 together. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1 through 9. As we look at this passage of Scripture where Jesus is talking uh, about some Pharisees, these religious leaders, these church people, he unpacks this unbelievable principle that had the potential to set these Pharisees free, to bring the freedom in their life, and it still has that potential in our day to day. Now, let me set this passage up for us. There is a famous commandment that no doubt these religious leaders, these Pharisees, knew very well. It's a commandment that you probably know, and even if you are uh, new to church or coming back to church, you probably have heard this commandment, even if you couldn't put the number assigned to it. It's the fifth commandment that says, honor your mother and father. Now, some of us have had moms and dads who like to use this over and over again, and they wanted to remind us. Because I'm the dad, that's why. Because I'm the mom, that's why. Read your Bible. Honor me. Whether you could put the fifth commandment tied to that or not, this truth we have heard. And many of us see this and we begin to come up with some excuses of why maybe this doesn't apply to us. It's a simple verse. It doesn't need a lot of explanation. Honor means to exalt and to hold high esteem. Interestingly enough, if, if I was to ask you to probe into your life, for some of us, if I would say, how are you doing honoring your father or honoring your mother? How are you doing honoring the memory of them? How are you doing, if they are still living, honoring them right here and now today? Some might say, well, Pastor Brady, I, I got to tell you the whole story. I mean, you don't understand who my dad is or who he was or who my mother is or who she was. And you would tell me a set of circumstances and the whole scenario, and, and it may break my heart, but 
we still come up with reasons why maybe this doesn't apply to us. You know, our past and our present, they have ways of coming out in our life today. We find ways from our past and in our present to get around this principle of honoring God, honoring our mother and father and honoring him. And we begin to come up with our own way how this doesn't apply to us. We all have a story to tell of how there should be some exception for us, but Jesus is dealing with some Pharisees who are doing the same thing. Let's look at Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 1 through 2 together. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, some background here for this. The Pharisees, these religious leaders, had traditions, they had rules, they had habits, they had patterns of how they would live that they had made up, and they were very excited about them. In fact, they valued their own rules, their own tradition, their own habits, their own patterns of living as much as God's word or God's law. They put them on the same level as that. For example, in the Old Testament, it it talked about uh, honoring the Sabbath and not working on the Sabbath. Well, the religious leaders said, well, well, we've got to help bring some other rules around that. So they created their own rules, their own tradition. They said, if you're walking down a road and you see a nickel and you pick up that nickel, and if it's the Sabbath day, you have broken that command. And they begin to add all of their own patterns, all of their own rules, all of their own habits to God's law and said they are as important or more important than God's law itself. Here's the first thing I think we need to catch today. If you're taking notes, jot this down. It's number one. We need to recognize man's tradition versus God's law. We need to be able to identify the difference between man's habits or patterns or or system of living compared to God's truth, his word, his law. They're not the same thing, and they shouldn't have the same importance in our life. You see, Jesus, he had not broken God's law. He had just broken one of their traditions here in this passage of Scripture. And Jesus uses this to deal with these religious leaders who were clearly breaking God's law for the sake of, of keeping their own tradition. Let's look at verse 3 together of Matthew chapter 15. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who causes their father or excuse me, anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, then they are to honor their father and They are not to honor their father and mother with it. Well, here's what's going on in this conversation. They knew that they were supposed to honor their father and mother and take care of them. And and they wanted to get around that and not have to do that. And so they created this rule or this pattern of living. And uh, they said, you know what? We found somewhere in, in the scriptures that it says, if you give something to God, you could never take it back. And so what we're going to do is we're going to create our own loophole. I'm going to give all my resources, all of my money, in in the name of God, dedicated to him. And so when it came time to take care of their aging parents, they almost as if said something like this. Mom, Dad, you know what? I'd love to help you out. But you know what? I gave all my resources to God, and it's God's. And so I can't help you out. Well, it goes a little bit farther than that. You see... They had 
set it aside for God's use, but they said, God, until you really need it, I'm going to be in control of that wealth. I'm going to hold it for you, God. Now, if you need some, you just let me know, but, but I'm going to hang on to it. And it was a technicality, it was a loophole to get around a law that God had for everybody to honor their father and mother, to take care of them. And here they said, I want my rule, my habit, my pattern, my tradition to be equal to God's law or to surpass God's law. So Jesus challenged them, and here's what he says as we continue in this passage. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are mere human rules. He says, you've taken a clear teaching of God, and you've made it as if it didn't even exist. All for the sake of your habit, for your pattern, for the way you have tried to do life. He was saying the things on the outside look right, but in your heart you have no intention of obeying me. And that's a pretty big smackdown that Jesus just gave to them. Can you imagine being in the tense moment of that situation? You've got religious leaders. These are supposed to be good church people. And Jesus is there and and they start calling him out and say, hey, how come you don't wash your hands like we've told everybody they have to? These are our rules. And Jesus says, wait a minute. Why are you calling me out on your own rule when you yourself find loopholes to disobey God's command at the sake of keeping your own tradition? You worship God with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. The outside may look right, but on the inside, you have no intention of being obedient. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you, calling you out? You know, every one of us in this room have been guilty of that at one point or another. We're guilty of violating this principle of ignoring or not following through on God's clear command all for the sake of some tradition or habit or pattern of living that we are unwilling to let go of. And it causes us to get stuck. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about a number of things that we can get stuck in in our life. But this way we live, the way we see relationships, the way we do family, the way we talk to people, the way we don't talk to people, we get stuck and this is how it is. Because mom or dad did that, or because mom or dad did this, I'm going to overreact and go a different direction. And God says, why do you take your preference for living, your tradition, your pattern, your habit, and make it as equal to mine? So first, we have to recognize the difference between man's tradition and God's law. And second, we need to move on and to decide what is going to drive us. Jot that down. You have to decide what is going to drive you. It's not enough. Just to know the difference between God's truth, his word, his law, and then your own idea, your own rule, your own system. You have to decide, what will you let drive you? I want to suggest this morning that many marriages, even here in this room today, they are built and driven by man's tradition, rules, habits, maybe not necessarily God's law. The way we conduct ourselves toward our spouse, the way we parent our kids, the way we listen to mom and dad, the way we don't listen to mom and dad, it's built on something other than God's law, his truth, his wisdom for us. And we come to a place like this to worship, and could it be that God himself looks at us and says, they worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And guess what? 
God's word will be nullified in our life. Scripture is living and active. There is power in God's word. But Jesus said, when we live as if our pattern, our tradition, our way is equal to God or surpasses God, then we nullify the power of God's word in our life. We all are the same in this category. We all have grown up with something modeled for us or an absence of modeling which taught us something. And year after year, expectations and patterns, how we relate to one another were developed. As an adult, you have brought these concepts, these expectations and habits into your family and they become patterns. It impacts us so much that it can override our conviction. It can override the work of God in our life. It overrides his truth and his word because we allow it to take that seat in our life. And we get stuck. So for some of us, it it comes out a little bit like this. Maybe you grew up where dad did the work outside the home thing and mom did the work at home thing. and, And you saw dad be the breadwinner in the home and mom did everything else. And so you find yourself now married and your wife says to you, honey, could you help out with the kids a little bit more? Could you help out around the house? And maybe you think to yourself, or unadvisably it comes out of your mouth, you say, uh, excuse me, I bring home the bacon, and it's your job to do everything else. Is this relationship built on God's law, his principle, his word, or our tradition, or our own system of thinking or pattern? We need to begin to say, God, how would you want me to view my marriage? How would you want me to view the relationships that are before me? Maybe as a wife... You watched your mother act a certain way under pressure and some behaviors would kick in when pressure got to a certain level. Maybe she would start yelling or screaming. Maybe it's the opposite end of the spectrum and she'd run to the bedroom and pull the covers over her head and she would give the whole family silent treatment when things would get tough. Maybe she would run to the refrigerator and she would take out her hurt or frustration by overeating. Or maybe she would run to the bottle and she'd try to drown her frustration and hurt and pain and alcohol we've picked up patterns and then we begin to find them play out in our life and we say why am i doing this where did it come from they've been handed down by allowing god's law to be less his word his truth to be less than our own preference our own pattern or tradition of how to live life how about this in a family in my family i I never had the opportunity to do all these things. You can fill in the blank. I've heard people say it many times before. You know what? I never had this opportunity. I was never blessed with this. So in my house, my kids are going to have every opportunity afforded to them. And so you break with that old tradition and you create a new tradition, a new habit, a new system of living. And you begin to say, the bullseye is that my kids, my family, my friends are going to experience life the way I never experienced it. And out of a good intention, possibly, this goal becomes as equal to God's law or his word in our life or even surpasses it. We begin to let school choir and dance class and soccer and football and baseball and debate team and AP classes become so important that they rival God's law and truth in our home. See, what we are willing to walk away from and let go of, we have mastered. But what we're not willing to walk away from, what we're not willing to let go of, masters us. What are the things in your life that you say, this is just who I am. I I cannot not do this. 
This is what we have to have. This is how we do it in our house. This is how we do it with my set of friends. This is how it should be. What you are not willing to let go of will master you. What you can walk away from, you have mastered. Now, don't misunderstand me. None of us can master God. You may be able to walk away from God, but he didn't create you to master him. He is your master. Maybe we find ourselves justifying our actions in some thoughts like these. We begin to say, you know what, I don't know that if all of God's truth applies to me. And we may come up with some excuses like this. You know, God and I, we're good. I'm in a good season of my life. Right now things are going well. God and I are good. And I just don't need to go to church all the time. I mean, I'll go from time to time, but I just don't need to be there all the time. I'm, I'm in a good season. And I don't know that I need it. I'm, I'm good. Or maybe this is an excuse that's come into your mind. You know, I've never really been a good reader, and, and reading the Bible, it doesn't work for me too well, and, and I lose track, and my attention wanders, and, and besides, that's what I go to church for. I get my Bible in on Sunday morning, and, and Pastor, that's what we pay, pay you for. You read it, you share some of it with me, and then I don't have to read it throughout the week. Or, or maybe uh, this would be an excuse for you. Well, I'd reach out to those people, but if they would just look at how they're living, if they would just change their vocabulary, if they would just act a little bit different, then maybe I would spend time talking to them or getting to know them a little bit. All of these are man's patterns, traditions, habits that get away around following God's clear instruction in our life. Guess what? You and I are called to be a part of a community of faith. It's not for what we get out of it, but it's what God called us into. It's not that, well, I'm, I'm all good. I, I don't need to go to church. Maybe you are good. But maybe God is calling you to be a part of that community of faith that particular day, not for yourself, but to bless somebody else who needs you to be their brother or sister. You know what? I I don't know if I can read the Bible. I'm not very good at that. You have been blessed. Psalms tells us that we should meditate on God's word day and night. We live in such a day and age that you can listen to God's word for free online. You don't even have to read it. You don't have to be a good reader. You can download an app on your phone and you can listen to God's word. Take it in. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God will stand forever. Whenever I take my pattern of living, my system, my tradition, my thought, and say, God, you know what, I'm not against the Bible. It's just I'm not a good reader. And and we just, you know what, we're not a reading family. It's not a reading type of person. Take it in through your ears. Have someone else read it to you. You know what? I, I would reach out to that person if they weren't so, you fill in the blank. What did Jesus say? Love your neighbor as yourself. What you did for the least of these, you did for me. Go to the ends of the earth to make disciples. Oh yeah, and I remember Jesus saying something like, Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house today. See, whenever we take our comfortable patterns of living, our traditions, our habits, our systems, and make them equal to God's law, His truth, His word, we get stuck. We need to recognize that man's tradition versus God's law, there has to be a clear distinction. We need to decide what's going to drive us. Now, you know, the third thing we've got to tackle here is we need to identify the negative traditions and break with them. It's not just enough to say what's going to drive us, but we need to find these negative traditions and break with it and allow it to end and no longer be a part of what guides us in our life. If we don't do this, 
Those habits, those traditions will override your convictions. They will override the clear teaching of God's word. For example, if you grew up in a home where dad didn't spank you, it was maybe more of a beating. It wasn't a spanking out of love to help discipline you, it was the belt. And as you've gotten older, you said, with my kids, I'm not going to go there, and and I'm definitely not going to repeat that pattern. And so you've gone the other direction and overcompensated, and you say, I'm not going to discipline my children at all. Here we've made a decision based off of a reaction to man's rules or traditions or patterns, not off of what God's Word tells us. Here's the good news. You and I have a Heavenly Father that wants to empower us to break those negative traditions. The ones that help us get stuck. See, God is maybe saying to you today, if you would just let me break you out, then you would see the power in my word. But if you stay camping out on that escalator, waiting for someone to rescue you, and you won't move in obedience, my word will be nullified. It will be void. You won't see the power in it in your life. Now let me stop here and say that For some of you, you say, you know what, are are all traditions bad? Are all patterns of thinking bad? I mean, is any rule that's not in Scripture something bad or evil? Of course not. Jesus isn't saying that, and I'm not saying that. And there may be some here today, you say, Pastor, I'm trying to hang with you, I'm trying to connect, but I don't really know that I got a lot of traditions from my family that I feel like are really bad or evil or hurtful or or disobedient to God. And In fact, I was blessed with the home where maybe I, I picked up some patterns of following God. That's awesome. But let me give a word of warning. Any neutral or even positive tradition or habit or pattern, if we take our own way of living, as good as it may be, and we make it equal to God's law, His word, or let it surpass that, it becomes no longer a good pattern. Some of us are so excited about our heritage and our home or the way we do things at our home or we are this clean-cut, good Christian family that we begin to worship our extra rules and extra things we have. And some of them aren't bad, but we make them at the same level as God's truth. This is exactly what the Pharisees did. They were stuck and they could not move forward. The cool part is God has given us a plan for his family. God's design for his family is to help us get unstuck. And there's two final things I want to leave with you on God's design for his family. First, his design is that we have unconditional love. That is, I love you regardless. You may find yourself stuck in some relationships, maybe in your home, maybe in your extended family, maybe with someone at school. God is calling us to love the way he loves. I love unconditionally. I love you regardless. The second is that there should be mutual respect. That means I am to honor and respect you regardless. When this begins to take hold in our family, we begin to get unstuck because God's truth, his word, is superseding our own pattern of thinking. This is so important because what happens at home has a greater impact on our families than what happens at church. Now listen to me closely. It always amazes me when I hear people say, well, the church failed me and my kids. And I'm not saying churches don't ever make mistakes. Don't misunderstand me. But what do we mean the church failed me? Really? Where did we get that from? 
Here at Grace Point, we have had um, a, a good pattern of investing uh, resources and energy and time, and we're going to continue to do that in our children's and youth ministry. And we believe in the power of reaching our youth with the good news of Jesus. But if they go back home and they see the opposite of what's taught here in their home, it crumbles away all the things that were built in a few hours here at church. If they see man's traditions or habits or own systems of living become equal to or greater than God's word, his truth, it's like pouring cup and uh, pouring water into a cup with a hole in it. You try to fill it up and it just goes everywhere. It's just almost pointless. You see, so much of what happens here at church is determined by what happens in your life throughout the week. As parents and grandparents, we have to get this. As single adults, we have to get what we do on our own time with our circle of friends outside these walls has a huge impact, even greater than what happens in our life inside these walls. We need to break with the negative traditions and allow God's truth to set us free. So I asked this morning, where are boys going to learn how to treat women? Where is that going to happen? Student ministry cannot undo what is happening in your home. Where are our kids going to learn how to talk about other people that gossip is not acceptable and slander is not acceptable and being critical is not helpful? Where are kids going to learn how to talk about other people? Where is that going to happen? Children's ministry cannot undo what is happening in our homes. So how is your thought life going to become pure and holy once again? Where is that going to happen? Sunday morning cannot undo what is happening in your mind all week long. God has made life simple for us. Not easy, but simple. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. As simple as I can put it, the whole point of today is this. Trust God's truth first. Don't just have God's truth and his, his word around you and just kind of buy into it every now and then. This has to be first. If you find yourself stuck in your family, there's some tension, there's some things. Ask yourself, what is first at home? Is it our reputation? Is that what's first in your family? Is it obedience? Is that what's first in your family? Is it Money, is that what's first? Is it status? Is it keeping up with the family next to you? Or is it God's truth? As good as it may be, is what number one in your family is having family time together. Friends, we can have so much family time together that we push God out of our family. Why can't worshiping God be family time? Why can't studying God's word at home be family time? We need to say, what is first? God, help me get unstuck. If you're stuck in some relationship, what is first in that relationship? If you're stuck in your finances, what is first in your finances? Friends, as we look at this series over the next couple of weeks, it's not going to be five steps and then you're unstuck. It's a process. It's a life that we live that God helps us get unstuck. But we cannot even begin to follow God's truth and let it supersede our pattern of living without a relationship with Jesus. These Pharisees, these religious leaders, these church-going people had memorized the rules better than any of us probably ever will. They loved creating extra rules. 
But the whole point of getting unstuck is to say, God, I need your truth to be first in my life, and that can only happen with the relationship with Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to pray, and I want to give those of you in this room an opportunity to accept Jesus, maybe for the first time. I know that there's a lot of people here today that you are already in relationship with Christ. You have asked him to forgive you of your sins, and you have invited him to be in charge of your life. And as we pray, I want you to allow this time to be a moment of praise and thanksgiving to God for what he has done for you and opening up this relationship with Jesus. But I believe there's some here today that we just kind of count ourselves as Christians or God-fearing people because mom and dad were. Because I'm just a good person. And, and friends, Scripture is clear that all of us have sinned. We've said and done things wrong. And that sin separates us from God. Without the forgiveness of Jesus and inviting Him into our life, we are lost. But the good news is that Jesus is here today and he is offering forgiveness of our sin. He wants that relationship with you. He wants to help you get unstuck. He wants you to move beyond your own system and pattern of thinking and allow God's truth to be first in your life. Let's pray together. As you bow your head and close your eyes, if that makes you uncomfortable, the reason we close our eyes is just to concentrate on God and shut everything else out. So maybe you just want to stare at the carpet. But as I pray, I invite you to pray with me. It's not so important that you get every word exactly right what I say, but it's very important that this represents your heart. You don't need to pray this out loud. You can pray in your mind, but let it be your heart's prayer. Jesus, I know there's things that I have said and done wrong. And I know those things are sin. And I realize that sin separates me from you. I'm not just sorry that I'm caught in my sin. I'm not just sorry that I'm stuck. But with your help, I want to go the opposite direction. I want to repent and let you be in charge of my life. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins right now. Would you come into my life and be in charge? Would you allow your truth and your word to be first in my life? Jesus, thank you for saving me right now. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who prayed that prayer with me. I pray that you would solidify deep in their heart what scripture tells us is happening in heaven right now there's a celebration all throughout the heavens of a son and a daughter who has come home i pray that you'll remind them that this is just the beginning of their journey and god i pray that you'll encourage them to stay connected to a body of believers like this to move and getting unstuck and allow you to bring freedom in their life now lord i pray for my others brothers and sisters who already have relationship with you today As we start this journey together in this teaching series, Lord, I pray that you would begin to break loose the things that have gotten crusty in our heart. Lord, I pray today across the Fort Wayne area, there'll be homes that talk together about what is most important in our family. 
As good as traditions are, as good as habits are, as good as preferences of how to do life are, they have to be secondary to your word and your truth. And so, Father, I thank you in advance right now for giving the power and the boldness for us to step up on that escalator and take the first step in obedience and begin to move to get unstuck. Thank you for the freedom that you're going to bring to us. We don't love you out of religion or rules, but out of a relationship with you, we give you everything that we are. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. I want to thank you for your attentiveness this morning.